Blog Talk Radio. Well, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome out there, Blog Talk Radio listeners and those over at Rainbow Soul and tuning in from iTunes and the many different places that you can connect to off the shelf, whether you just click a link, join us in the chat room, or you join over the phone or one of the apps. So we want to welcome everybody, particularly our our new listeners who might be your first time to the show and those who have been with us for going on 13 years. I want to put this thought in, and this is a, um, a quote I want to start the show with. Don't stop when you are tired. Stop when you are done. Whatever that is, if it's a, it could be a small project or a long-term project or a lifelong dream, don't stop when you are tired. Stop when you are done. And, yes, you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf. Again, welcome to this Saturday. Isn't that like the a phenomenal day of the week, the day you really get to do what you want to do, Saturday, July 15th. You guys, we are halfway through this month. Already, I hope you are, since you're book lovers, going out and getting books that entertain you and that that leave you with some aha thoughts that can actually help influence and shape your life in positive ways. And speaking of books, I hope that you will go out and get a copy of my latest book, Love Pour Over Me. And I like to tell people what's in a book because certain books aren't for certain some people like mushy romance and love poverty is not a mushy romance book. Some people like science fiction and it's not science fiction. It's a book for people who love mysteries. If there is a murder mystery that's that's tucked in this story, but even more at this at the core of love poverty it's about relationships. There's a complicated relationship between Raymond Clark and his father, uh, Malcolm. His father has untreated alcoholism. The story starts in Ohio, and then it goes to Philadelphia where Raymond goes to college. And you'll see how even his trying to get away from his past, something I think in our early adult years we might spend a lot of time doing, you have to face your past. At some point in life, you're going to have to face it. But so he goes off to college, wants to get away from home, and then he actually even uh, through part of his life he's still running. Um, He actually is one of the world's top runners to boot. And I didn't realize the connection until I I finished writing the story. But he actually spent some time in Madagascar, Africa, as well. He does good works while he's over there. Raymond is a kind of guy anybody can love, but he has some childhood issues that he has to face, and they're deep childhood issues. But he's a good guy. And then he, his, it's also a story about Raymond and his soulmate, Brenda. And uh, I'm not going to say anything that happens between them. But if those type of things you value, and there are four friendships that Raymond has. Guys he meets at college, one goes on to do very well in the NFL. If those type of things you find value in relationships, how we all influence each other, even when we don't think we are, and you like mystery. I think you will love Love Fall Over Me, and I encourage you to get a copy in ebook or print Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, ebook it. If you don't see it on the store shelves, just ask the clerk. Say, could you please order me a copy of Love Fall Over Me by Denise Turney? And they can order your copy and let you know when it comes in. So please get a copy and let me know how you enjoy Love Fall Over Me. And now let us go and meet our very special off the shelf guest. 
And today's guest, I'm telling you, I, I learn so much when I'm doing the research for the shows before they before they come, the date comes up. And I said, whoa, she really is on her A game when it came to launching her book. And, and I want to ask her a few questions about that that might benefit some of our off-the-shelf listeners. But our special guest today, from her book cover on, is just she is on point. And the special guest this morning is Dr. Sonia Covington-Leverett. Now, Sonia is an educator, a wife, a mother, a consultant, a, a writer, and a public speaker, and she is the author of several books, including BJ's Big Dream, He Never Slumbers, and what is that stinky, winky, ooey smell? And you can learn more about Sonia online at SoniaCunninghamLeverett.com, and I'll spell that for you. It's S-O-N-I-A-C-U-N-N-I-N-G. H A M L E V E R E T T E dot com. S O N I A C U N N I N G H A M L E V E R E T T E dot com. Welcome to my off the shelf, Sonia. Thank you so much. I appreciate that wonderful introduction and your book sound awesome. I can't wait to grab a copy so that I can begin my reading. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. It's it's such a pleasure to have you here with us again. As I was doing the research for your interview, I mean, I was like, wow, she is really, you are launching a book the way a book should be launched. You can't just write a book and hope, and then after it's out, start doing your marketing. You are way out in front of it, and you're doing, you're doing it the right way. So, but I wanted to, before we go into today's, uh, questions for the show. I never get to all the questions, but before we launch into the show's questions, I ask uh, all of our guests the same two to three questions, just so our listeners can get some backstory on the guests before we just start diving in to questions. So to begin, could you please tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up, Sonia, and what life was like for you growing up? Okay, well, thank you. I grew up in Lawrence, South Carolina. That is a town in a county with the very same name. It's about 40 miles south of Greenville, South Carolina, which many people have heard of Greenville, South Carolina. But I've been in the upstate basically all of my life. So after graduating from high school um, and leaving my two wonderful parents, um, who are fortunately still living, I have two older sisters all in pretty much the same area. We're a pretty close-knit family. I went to Clemson University, graduated there in three years, and went right back to my high school to teach English. When I left in 1988, I said, I will never come back here. Not that I didn't have a good experience, (laughs) but I was just ready to experience life, and I just knew that there was such a huge life outside of Lawrence County. But never say never. Because lo and behold, I was back there in three years, enjoyed it immensely. So when I went to my mailbox to get my check, it was just an added bonus because it just felt like I was right back in high school just enjoying every moment of that. So I left Lawrence and began teaching in another town called Simpsonville, which is actually the town that I have just moved back to, but I taught English there for a few years before going into administration. 
So I was an assistant principal for a while at Hillcrest High School, and then I left there and went to Anderson, South Carolina, for about 10 years. I was the director of student, I'm sorry, the director of personnel services before being promoted into student services as assistant superintendent. Stayed there for four years in that position, and then I have been in Spartanburg County for the last couple years. So I am in my about 29th year of education. I do count the years that I drove a school bus and worked as a student at Clemson, <laughs> and it's, it's just it's really been my life. But writing has been something I have always enjoyed doing, and publishing a book, being an author, has always been a dream. So as I am going to later talk about BJ's big dream, just producing that has allowed me to realize one of my huge dreams in life. Wow. Oh, my goodness. What a story. You know, and I was thinking just early this morning how nothing in this world stays the same. And, and, and like you said, I'm never going back there. <laughs> and, 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 you, and you end up doing the very thing that you swore you, you would never do again. When you, so when you were a child, you, you, you were so involved in education. We've had guests yes. on from all over the world, and some of our guests sort of stumbled into what they ended up doing, and they loved it. Some of our guests, they knew, they knew from five, six years old, early ages, exactly what it was they were supposed to do. But that said, uh-huh. it seems like education, you said like 29, almost 30 years of your life. But what did you, as far back as your your memory can go, what did you dream of becoming when you were a kid? I don't remember dreaming of anything except teaching because my poor little neighbors, they were my students, and I actually gave them tests. I had my dad run copies of tests that I just made up. I, for example, one time just decided that baseball was the number one sport, and I put all of the sports I could think of in order. I made my neighbors learn that order, and I gave them a test. So I was serious. I didn't, I didn't just fool with my dolls and my, you know, cars and trucks. I taught people, and that was what I wanted to do. Now, when I was in about third or fourth grade, I always thought I would teach elementary school. But when I got to high school, took advanced placement English and just knew that was where my first love was, I was thrilled to know that I could major in English and teach English all day, every day. So it's been a calling for me for a long time. Now, the only other thing that I thought of, I I thought of nursing for just a moment, but I'm just too weak to do that. My hat goes off. I work closely with nurses, and they are just beautiful people doing a beautiful ministry. But the other thing was being a flight attendant. And so I said, well, you know, maybe when I retire, I can be that flight attendant that I've always wanted to, but 9-11 just kind of changed that for me, so... I'm I'm very happy with my writing right now, and that's the next career that I plan to pursue. Oh, my goodness. What a, what a, what a, what a story. And you know what? I listened to the Dr. Wayne Dyer um, on YouTube. He's since crossed over, but he, he and other people will often say this, and it's tough when you're young, and we, when we talk about BJ's big dream, um, just let your life unfold. 
Just let it mm-hmm. unfold. It will unfold naturally on its own. Just let it uh-huh. unfold. It, it That takes courage and, and trust to do that. But just let yes. it unfold naturally. It will turn out right. So who exactly. inspired you? You said you, you you taught English. You used to give these tests and, and, and baseball. You used to do these tests when you were a kid. But as far as the writing, there's something that you're now pursuing in your life, but who or what inspired you to really sit down and pursue writing? Before you, before you answer, this just popped into my head. I remember seeing a movie, Julia and Julia, about Julia Childs and this lady who was taking this cooking challenge in New York City. And uh-huh. Julia Childs, who is known for, for cooking, that was not her childhood dream, she a job of hers went away, and she asked her husband, "What do I do now?" She was confused. I she like I don't know I don't know what to do with my life. I feel uh-huh. lost, and she stumbled into cooking and became. She's like you say her name, and people automatically think Top Chef. They just automatic, and it just sort of she stumbled into it. So you going from teaching to writing? Was there a particular event, Sonia? that caused you to say, this is what I'm going to focus on now? There has just been a lifelong thing. When I was young, I just enjoyed pencils and coloring and just creating something on paper. And when I got to high school, I focused more on the English, and I had some amazing English teachers. I'll just have to give a shout-out to um, Charlie Brown. That was actually his name. And then also um, Charlie Miller. I had um, Ann Shepard. Catherine Barksdale was a big inspiration to me, but my 12th grade AP English teacher, Ann Howell, taught me to take it to the next level. And then I had some great college professors who helped me refine and perfect my writing even more. But that was just what I enjoyed doing. And I've kept a journal for many years, and writing is therapeutic. Rather than going to push somebody up against a wall who's made me mad, I just punch the paper and that has gotten me through some very tough and difficult situations. And before I even wrote my children's books, I wrote, I published two short stories with the best-selling Christian author, Vanessa Miller, and that allowed me to publish the first, I called it my first book, that sat on a shelf for many years. I had written it, but I had no means of publishing it. And I said, you know, one day I'll get to that. One day I'll find a publisher But I received a call out of the blue from a minister friend who said, didn't you write a story? Don't you want to share your story? Would you like to publish? And I said, "Uh, yeah, I would love to. And so that opportunity just, you know, pretty much opened the door and led into some other opportunities. So that came before I thought it would. And But the great thing is, as I am winding down one career, I'm getting immersed into another career. So, you know, God's timing is just, um, it's already ordered, it's already (laughs) orchestrated, and it's already put together. And as you said earlier, you know, just just let it happen because what is his will, if we're in his will and obedient to him, it it just happens the way he means for it to. And we don't often realize that unless we've done some letting go and also taken some risks, which when we start talking about BJ, 
I'm sure he's a child, but the same concepts apply. When we start taking risk and trusting, then we get the evidence. We become a witness that this is this is so. This is true. But we gotta we gotta yes. we gotta take some risks to get that evidence. Now I That's first wanted true. to thank you before I go on. I want to thank you for your education service. My sister is a teacher. I, I don't know how y'all do it. So I, I thank you for your, your service of education. I'm sure that this this is where you learned a lot to write about BJ, BJ's Big Dream, and some of your other books. But I wanted to ask yes. you, in BJ's Big Dream, do you address some pertinent real-life issues that kids are they're really it's it's taking a toll on some kids. Things like bullying, self esteem, mm-hmm. child abuse. Yes. In any of your books, do you do you touch on any of these topics? I do. He never slumbers. Focuses more on the bullying. BJ's big dream focuses more on being yourself. If you have a dream, if there's something you want, you go after it, and you don't worry about what the world says about our people around you. You do what it is that you want to do. And to be honest, BJ, that is a real home story. BJ is actually my son. And so the story was written about an experience that he went through. But that was a seven-year journey of watching him struggle to get something that he wanted so badly that I'm sure he learned after he was successful that he could, you know, basically if he planned if he gave himself time, if he had patience, if he had faith and enough desire, he could get whatever it is that he wants in life, positive things now. But at the same time, as a parent, I had to stand aside because I'll tell anyone, there were some messy, ugly stages. He would get his hair twisted. He'd go to football practice. He'd perspire, and it would turn into a mushy, sweaty mess. And many times we had to go back to the barbershop, get it cut off, and he'd have to start over. He started in second grade. He didn't have his locks actually set until ninth grade. That's a long, very long time for a child, a very long time. But just standing back watching him and never saying to him, you know what, let's just let it go. Let's let's just give up because, you know, I don't think you're ever going to get those, those um, dreads. That's not something that a parent should say, regardless as to how we feel. We should put that aside and support the child with his or her dream because it's bigger than whatever it is they're focusing on. Growing those things, it just wasn't all about the hairstyle and how he was going to look. He was learning something. He was building character. And that's what I hope to convey in the story that when we do put our whole heart into something. And if we want it bad enough, then we build perseverance. We build those skills that will help us with other goals in life. Mm-mm-mm. BJ, go ahead, BJ. <laughs> so the character, BJ, you know, the story is based on your son, but the character, can you introduce us, our off-the-shelf listeners, particularly those who might be educators or parents themselves, can you introduce us to BJ? What is BJ like? BJ is a Taurus for one, and it's funny because I'm a Taurus, um, and my husband's a Taurus too, so we have, you know, a house full of Taurus Tauruses. I can say because BJ is very strong, strong willed, like his mom. 
And if there's something that he wants, he has the tenacity to stick with it until he actually gets it. And that was something that he wanted. He was inspired by Bob Marley because he loved his music, his clothes, everything about him. But he also was inspired by a cousin who had, um, for a long time, long braids. And then he turned those into locks. And that was just something that he really wanted. But he's very focused. And he doesn't um, vary so that he's focusing on a million different things. He's just, um, I I won't use the word narrow-minded, but he doesn't get distracted so easily. He was a lover of sports. That was something that he wanted to do. So other than his academics and sports, he didn't really focus on a whole lot of other things. And so that um, just focus and, and I guess I can say straight-mindedness basically got him to where he, you know, has wanted to be. And right now he is, I'm very proud of him. He's a senior in college focusing and majoring in exercise science. He has loved sports since he was four years old, and he's decided that he wants a career in sports, helping athletes become um, stronger. He wants to do weight training, and he wants to be a weight coach just to help young men and and women get themselves in shape so that they can be better at their game, whatever that game is. Okay, okay. Now, can you tell (laughs) us about in the the story, what are, are, at least one, I don't want to get a story away, but if you can tell us about at least one of the challenges that BJ must deal with, he has, he has to get beyond this challenge in order to reach his goal. Can you tell us about at least one of these challenges that he has to deal with? One of those is when he gets his hair done and he comes home and his dad gives him a do-rag, his mom gives him a shower cap, and he looks at those things like, really, this is a part of where I'm trying to get? I have to look like a girl at night? And it doesn't sit well with him at first, but then he realizes I'm trying to go somewhere, and this is what I have to do to get where I'm trying to go. And he had gotten so far in his dream when he realized he had to wear these girly things, he wasn't ready to turn back. And so you just have to admire the spirit of determination that caused him to say, you know, oh, okay, okay, do-rag, we can do it, shower cap, we can do it, we have to do what we have to do because we're going somewhere. Okay, so the dream has to be important enough as well to give us enough reason to to keep going. If it's not important enough, when a, when a certain a certain challenge, whether we're a child or an adult, it'll stop us. We'll just say it's too hard. Exactly. I'm tired of all these challenges. But when we really want that goal, nothing nothing can stop us. But it's also important. Exactly. Do you show? Do you show BJ ever taken, uh, maybe he tries to reach his goal the wrong way, and so you see it's not just enough to reach a goal, you got to go about it the right way. Does he ever try to do it the wrong way, and then you show the reader, you got to not only achieve your goal, but you got to do it the right way? I can't specifically think of an example for that. There were many facets to the story that I had to leave out um, because, of course, a children's book is anywhere from 700 to 1,000 words, and it's very difficult to pack 
everything in there. So sometimes you have to just wait and, and produce another story based on something that's learned from the book. I can't think of that, but I can say that while he's on his way to his dream, he does have some other dreams, and those dreams represent to me, they represent the obstacles that you have to face and overcome to get where you're getting to. I had an interview with Mother Love, and I love what she said because in the book there's a bear, um, there's a gang of wolves, and then there's a huge snake that come at him during his dreams, and he has to overcome them. But she said, you know, I think those represent family, friends, and haters because you're going to encounter them anytime you're trying to get where you're going. And so I've, I've used that since I've talked to her because that is so true. Everybody is not trying to go with you, and everybody's not on your side. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> now, you do co- you cover mm-hmm. the difference between a real dream and a daydream in the book. Why, Sonia, mm-hmm. did you decide? Because daydreams feel good. Then there's really no obstacles to them. Why did you? Why did? Uh-huh. What made you decide to take that approach? I wanted children to understand. You know, we use the the word dream loosely. Dream can mean many different things. And when I go and talk with children during author readings or signings or at camps, I make sure that they understand. You know, even a nightmare, that's a dream too. We have to keep dreams in their perspective and in their own little boxes, but I want you to understand that there are some dreams that they don't just, you know, come to you to make you feel good. There are some dreams that you have to get in there and you have to go after, and I give children in the book, not to give away too much, but to me, there's a dream recipe, and this talked about in this book, and that is desire, faith, and patience. Those are three components that you have to have in order to get from A to B, and you can't do it without any of them. And I think the earlier children learn, the better off they're going to be and more successful they will be in life. What, 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 how do you perceive or would you like to see this book, BJ's Big Dream, impact a child who's home life is so bad and maybe when when it's, it, the the uh, challenges don't come from outside the home but maybe in the home some parents call their kids bad names ugly stupid and every time the kid tries to do something they're told you you're going to fail you too dumb you too this you too that how how do you, how do you see this book being able to help a child who's going to spend years getting that mental programming from their own parents? You know, as a an educator working in the Department of Student Services, I work with, sadly, so many broken children from situations with, that would be even difficult to discuss. But I'm hopeful that children, even though they're living in circumstances they can't help, they're forced into environments they can't do anything about. They can't make decisions or do anything to change what mom or dad or whomever might be doing on a day-to-day basis that negatively impacts them. But if they can get a dream in their mind, even still when they're young, that life 
can be beyond what their present circumstance is, if they can just get that in their mind and hold on to it, that it doesn't always have to be this way. And as soon as I can get in a position to change it, I won't. I don't have to live this way. And when I speak to them, I make sure they know education is one of those vehicles that can get you out of poverty. It can get you out of drug or sexual abuse. It can get you out of many dark situations in life. But you have to have something in your heart, and you have to have that resilience to, you know, pick yourself up and get out of that situation. But this isn't where you necessarily, because you were born here, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to stay here. And that's the hope that I want to give children, not just in South Carolina, not just in this country, but all over the world. I want children dreaming big, not just thinking of, you know, what I can get next week, what I can do next month, but long-term, thinking about those goals and then putting a plan into place so that they're thinking and they're acting and then later they're doing and then one day they're actually celebrating. That's, that's a great question. I could speak on that all day, but our children need hope, and, and that's one of my missions. I'm really trying to give them the hope they need. Yeah, and, you know, we don't focus on uh, young kids. I don't know why they're so ignored whether it's abuse or they, again, call names in the home, told they can't do nothing, you you, you, you don't be so dumb. You always got your nose in a book. And they, uh, right in the home they're told this kind of stuff, uh, like mm-hmm. putting these big roadblocks in the home. We ha- had a, a guest on who wrote a book, A Dooney Dares to Dream. And it, oddly enough, yours is based on your son. Hers was based on her mother who in Africa became a doctor when a woman were not supposed to do that. But the importance of dreaming, and I could see the the absolute criticalness of her getting her message out, and I see it in what the work that you do. And I know as a teacher, you definitely see it. Every, we don't think about kids who are suffering, and I mean really, really suffering, two, three, four, five years old, right in their own homes. Nobody even considers these kids as we go mm-hmm. from day to day until they grow up, until they grow up and they act out. Then we consider them but we they still don't get love and care they get our they get our vengeance and our judgments they it's like they go their whole life without that's getting somebody true. rooting for them so it's it's Family, the work that you're true. doing is so incredibly important yeah, well, thank you. I, I do want to take a minute to tell you about a movement that is um, sweeping the nation, and I hope it will pick up its momentum. But in Spartanburg in particular, we have a training that the University of South Carolina at um, the Upstate, um, they have in their Child Advocacy Center a Compassionate Schools training. And what that teaches it, uh, educators and the community to understand is that Many children have what we call ACEs. That's an acronym for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And some have ACEs on top of ACEs. There's actually a score. There's a 10-question test that a child can take to say, you know, were you abandoned? Were you adopted? Did your parents, you know, get a divorce? Anything that could traumatically impact a child. Did your parents, you know, did anyone die, you know, very close to you? And so then... You look at that A score and then you determine 
you know, maybe why you're seeing some of the things in that child that you're seeing there may be just withdrawn. Maybe they have started drug use or just being very promiscuous. There are signs, you know, that let us know that these children are struggling from within, and then we can help get them, you know, the assistance that they need. Sadly, you know, some children are just able to put that mask on and wear it very well, and they don't act out. They don't speak out. They don't lash out, and so you don't know when some children are actually suffering, and those are the ones, you know, that that fall through the cracks sometimes, and we don't get to help as much. But this awareness I encourage, you know, people all over everywhere to get this training so that we can even get some healing ourselves because some of us have suppressed ACEs that we dealt with and we're not living the abundant life that we could because we never got that help that we actually needed. So I just Mm -hmm. want to sprinkle that out there because there are some studies and in research and we're looking at how what happens with children when they're young, how that impacts who they are and who they actually become in trying to get some some help for them early on. Well, I thank you for for the, the you're much more than a than a writer. I mean, and a, and an educator, but uh, uh, you 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 got your your vision, and you you are, you are a woman of action. So I thank you, and I appreciate that. I, well, when I was doing you. research, and, you're very welcome. When I was researching for today's show. I mean, just so many things on your website. So I, I just, it was a great idea to create a theme song for BJ's Big Dream. Where did the <laughs> idea come from to create the theme song, and who sings the theme song? <laughs> well, first of all, I was looking for this opportunity to, to thank my consultant and coach, Valerie J. Louis Coleman. She has been wonderful. And we've been working together since about March we, when we first began working on this big launch that's coming up on Wednesday, and I have gotten so many ideas from her. I'm using more technology than I've ever used. It's just been awesome because she has to be a mastermind and just a, a genius when it comes to marketing. So she was the one who said, you know, you really should think about getting a theme song, the trailer, Many of the marketing tools that I have, I just did not have when we met. So it was basically her idea. And so what happened, my nephew has a good friend who does a really good job coming up with beats. He's a musical-type genius, and so I thank Christian Sims. He came up with the beats. But then I know a an awesome music teacher who can take just a little bit and just make it multiply so Tracy Drummond, during a camp back the first or second week in June, I said, you know, if, could, is it possible that you can take these beats, have the students, after they've read the book, come up with some lyrics and actually sing this, these words to the beats? And so on their last day of camp, they always do a big show for their parents to come in. And so I kept trying to catch them practicing. I I did see a little snippet of some of the words they had written, but I had no idea what I was going to be in for. And so one of the babies came out with the book. She talked about it and why they wrote the song that they wrote, and then they started to perform it. Then there was a little rap at the end, and by the end I was just 
all wet. I mean, I was just in tears because, (laughs) I mean, they got in my heart and my mind and figured out exactly what I would have wanted, and it was so beautiful, and I just couldn't thank them enough. And and they enjoyed doing it. Even the music teacher thanked me because she said, you know, I hadn't thought of what our big project would be. She said, so thank you for giving us this opportunity to do it. But I couldn't wait to upload that to YouTube and get it on my website because it's just remarkable, you know, to involve the children like that. But then to know that they came up with the lyrics and then they performed it, that just was an added bonus to me, and I'm very grateful to them for that. That is awesome. I I have to ask, you know, we're just touching a little bit on marketing, then I want to talk about He Never Slumbers. How has working as an educator? How is working as an educator, Sonia? You know, they say that the majority of your books, and particularly now with e-books taking off and the online platforms, gone are the days when you would sell the majority of your books through a bookstore. Now you go to these little trade shops. You can get them in a hospital uh, gift gift shop, depending on the, the the nature of your book. Get it in bookstores. Get it in the military military stores. Pretend on again the subject depending on the subject of your book, but how has working as an educator actually helped you get through the door and through the gate to get in front of teachers, parents, and young readers, and particularly to get BJ's Big Dream into schools, into school yeah. libraries? Okay. It's still, you know, for me it's been who you know. For example, I've had an opportunity to get into both of my sister's schools, and then some of the educators who have known me, they have sent invites as well. Um, I've gone to the churches of relatives and had an opportunity to speak with the camps there. Um, I, I have had some contact from those who, you know, don't know me from far away to ask me to, you know, do things for their students and so forth, so far. So, you know, the opportunities are growing. They really are. Um, even the, just this morning I was contacted on Twitter about coming to a camp. So, and I don't know this person so well, so or I don't know if I know this person at all, but you know, just the the idea of social media is a huge vehicle in really getting you out there and making sure you have opportunities that you you know you wouldn't have if it were just completely word of mouth and who you know. But I, I do say that that who I have known so far that's been a big help to get me started, and I'm just so grateful for those friends and family members who have been so very supportive. It's, it's been something great to see, and it's been very rewarding. And the, and the next the next question, I mean, you, you obviously probably know who to go through to to get a book in a bookstore. They, I, mean, every, I mean, a school, every school I'm told has their book buyer. So you get, once you know who that person is, same for the military, then you can start getting your books into those those sites. Um, uh-huh. What are some of the things, before we talk about He Never Slumbers, what are some of the things that you did? We know you have the theme song for BJ's Big Dream. And your launch day, you have three or four or more different events. Some people we just go to a book club and do a do launch that book with, a, with one book club. But you've got a series of things that you're doing. Can you share with our off-the-shelf listeners just some of the things that you did to launch BJ's Big Dream? Well, for one, it was just making the book 
and everything about it as professional as, and as attention-grabbing as possible, making sure that even my author bio, the description of the book, and its online presence was just something that would, you know, get attention. And then also just making sure that there was a strong presence on all every social media, enhancing the website so that it has everything that it, it needs. But then the Amazon Author Central page, making sure that it has a link to the website as well as Goodreads, also making sure that there are professional reviews out there so that there are words from people who have already gained trust in the community and the, the reading community have made statements or made comments, so those things. But then also when we go and buy something or when we, when we have a professional service come in, everyone's all about, I need your feedback. I need your feedback. Can you do this survey? When I last had my car service, the gentleman said, I really need you to do this because this is my report card. And I hadn't heard it put that way, but I needed, I needed a paper trail and a report card for my book. And so the readers have been very supportive because, honestly, I went from about three reviews up to about 38 last I checked. And so, you know, that's, I've tried not to stalk people, but that's something that, you know, people don't necessarily think to do on their own. And so I've even written a book about how to support authors because I think people want to, perhaps they just don't know how to and what's really important and what's helpful. So using the software or the program Hootsuite, I've been able to just, you know, make a blast every a.m. and p.m., for the last week and a half leading up to the big launch that's coming on on Wednesday. So I have enjoyed it. It has stretched my mind, and so I'm in more in, in, in a better position to help myself in the future when I publish and also to help other authors as well. You are such you have a gracious, gracious spirit. Can you give us a synopsis of He Never Slumbers? It's funny because all everything I've published is either everything based on my stories except the one where I focus on BJ and his dream, but of course I'm there as well in the background of that. But He Never Slumbers takes three bullying experiences that I actually went through when I was in school. For whatever reason, I just decided to turn the character into a male as opposed to a female, but I was I was Caleb from the book. I um, was bullied about my weight. Um, there were, you know, challenges in PE class when, you know, the teacher would say, okay, choose your teams, choose your teams. And, of course, I was one of the last ones who was chosen. When we had rate relay races, Races. I was never a fast runner, or you know, didn't just didn't have much athleticism, and so I was just kind of you know cast aside. And I wanted to to depict that in the book as well. But it was an opportunity to give a shout out to an awesome Sunday school teacher that I had that helped me with my confidence. She didn't know what I was going through. Nobody knew except for one of my sisters because it just wasn't something that I shared. It was something that I endured silently. But 
there was a scripture that just really helped me get through the situation, and it was the Lord God of Israel watches over us day and night. He never sleeps nor slumbers. And it wasn't until my adult life that I realized if God's going to be up worrying about it all night, then why should I? I should just sleep like a baby and, and then just trust him to, to resolve it. And I said, wow, if I had known that when I was a child, you know, I, so much sleep, so many sleepless nights and just so much pain and suffering that I endured, I should have just, you know, prayed about it, prayed about everything, worried about nothing. And so that's the gift that I hope to give children so that they understand, turn it over to him. Now, when I speak to them, I make sure they understand that the action and the resolution in a children's book, it all happens pretty quickly. Our our answers, our prayers aren't generally answered overnight. But if we just keep holding on and, and keep believing, eventually things will work out and our prayers will be answered. Now, Caleb, so how old is he? And you talked to us about your own experience about your bullying. Why is Caleb being being bullied? And and how old is Caleb in the story? Caleb Caleb is in second grade, and it's interesting because um, one of those events actually happened when I was in second grade. That was when the person in my row took my homework and put his name on the homework and just kind of looked back and stuck his tongue out me, at me like, I dare you to do something about it. So um, then another experience, the, the athletic experience I had was in fourth grade, but just from the time that I was in second grade all the way up through sixth grade, I was forever, you know, dogged or picked at because, and I was, you know, significantly overweight. When I got to the summer of sixth grade, Honestly, I discovered some some diet pills that I really had no business with, but they were life-changing for me. I lost over 30, maybe about 35 pounds, and just somewhat became a different person. I even, you know, had the confidence to go out for cheerleading, and I went out and actually made it. And so, you know, that was, that was you know, that's very memorable for me, but while we can heal and grow and get past things, Sometimes those wounds remain there, and when I get calls from parents or I hear children or see children who are going through similar experiences, my heart just goes out to them. And so I've always wanted to do a piece to just help children have just more confidence and understand that regardless as to how, what your body image is, you don't deserve that, and that shouldn't determine who you are what people say, how they treat you. You have to know within yourself who you are, and you have to know what you can accomplish if you don't focus on um, outsiders. So Caleb, is, is he, he's in the second grade. Is he being bullied because uh, of something with his body, or is he being bullied? People, kids bully kids the way they talk. Some kids have a stutter. Why specifically uh-huh. for Caleb? Is he? Is he so young? <laughs> Second grade, bullying each other, but yeah, exactly. He is, and it is his weight. Um, even one day in the cafeteria, he picks up, you know, his lunch tray as all the other kids do, and then the bully say, says to him, and then snickers with the other young men that are with him. He says, you know, you you really need to just get some carrots or some celery to to chew on. You don't need what you have on your plate, and so. 
you know, that's something that I see. Children can be mean because they're being taught that somewhere that it's okay to not have compassion for the person beside you. We can treat other people, you know, illy, and it's okay. And a lot of times children who do these things to other children are, are victims themselves. They've gotten, they've learned this behavior from somewhere. What what can parents, Sonia, what can parents, other kids, and it's going to take courage from other kids, and educators do to stop and even better yet actually prevent bullying? Because with social media, I'm told it, it is off the chain right now. It really is. It really is. What we saw when we were in school is not even a, the tip of the iceberg for what is out there today because you, when you think about social media like Snapchat, it's there for a half second and then it's gone and it can't be retrieved or, re, you know, retraced at all. But then the audience is so huge. You know, it's, it's much larger than just a classroom or even a cafeteria. It's, it's out there, you know, to many, many people. But I say to parents, Pay attention. Have a close relationship with your child. Find time to talk with them every day. Know what's going on. And so then when changes happen, you know, whether it's their sleep patterns change, their um, eating habits change, their social lives change so that they are more reclusive, they don't want to go out, they just don't enjoy the activities that they used to, something's going on. Find out, and, and, and hopefully you'll have that type of relationship where children will want to talk with you because, you know, suicide is no joke. And at the middle school yeah. level, with children between 11 and 13, for whatever reason, across the country, we're seeing spikes. And it's so unfortunate mm. because we we see copycats, you know, children think, well, you know, okay, well, there's an easy way we can just, you know, do this and not have to worry about these problems anymore, and we just have to put some supports and some mechanisms in place to support and help our babies because, you know, they're struggling. This can be a mean world, and we just have to really, really stay on top of things. We have to also teach children that they need to protect each other. And when they see someone being mistreated, you know, they don't need to put themselves in harm's way, but they need to let an adult, let somebody who has authority to change the situation know what's going on. Now, people who bully from children to adults, because bullying also is a part of the corporate environment. Adults get bullied as well. The bully, the bully looks larger than life. They look as big or bigger than God himself. So mm-hmm. what can what would you say to somebody who might be going through bullying? And both of your books touch on such pertinent life issues, not only for children but for adults. But what can somebody who's being bullied do to see the person as normal instead of as a giant? I think... My oldest sister helped me when one day I didn't go to school and I told my parents that my stomach was hurting. And and it wasn't a story because my stomach really was hurting when I thought about what I was going to possibly have to go through that day. I just didn't want to be teased anymore. I was tired of being alone on the playground and so forth. And so my sister said to me, you know, she has no more power, the person who's picking on me, she has no more power or authority than you. You know, yes. you will have to stand up to her and let her know that 
that she just cannot control you anymore. She can't just keep, you know, making you sad. If you stand up to her one good time, then she will leave you alone. She will find somebody else to pick on. And that rang true. That was a very true situation. And, and from that, I learned, you know, to stand up to myself because bullies like to find people that they think are weaker. And, and you know, you're not necessarily weaker. It's just not knowing how to garner that energy or that, you know, power within you to say, I don't have to take this. I'm not going to take this. And the only reason you keep doing it is because I'm not standing up. But as soon as I stand up, you'll flee. And so oh I think that the, the power we have to give to children, we have to let them understand that, you know, nobody's bigger, nobody's greater than you. And if you right. allow them to control you, that's on you. But there's something within you that needs to be to, needs to be fixed so that you understand that, that that person's not more important than you are. No. Do you have any plans, uh, Sonia, to write a children's book series? Now, I'm thinking about Judy Bloom. Not not Judy Bloom. Uh, Judy. Uh, oh, I used to read her books when I was a little girl. She wrote the Judy Bloom <laughs> story. She writes adult novels now. I can't think of her name, but I used to. I she wrote those book series. About. Yes, and then the Harry Potter book series. Do you plan on taking any of your books and turning them into a series where readers are like, I want to see what's happening with this character. Pippi Longstocking was another one. Well, they yes, want to see what's yes. going to happen to the character next. I would love to do that, and I already have an idea in mind. I just need time and um, the opportunity to expand on it. But, yes, I have a character that I would like to develop, and I would like to, to allow him to just play out lots of stories in life. So I would like to do that for the middle level, and so that will be my, you know, contribution to teens or preteens in particular because um, I've always wanted to write chapter books. So that is definitely on my bucket list. Okay. Are there any plans uh, for an adult novel? And if you ever wrote a novel for an adult readership, what would, what do you think that novel would be about? I think that would be um, kind of in line with, well, it would be Christian fiction. And for me, more than likely, it would include probably church trauma. Um, so, yes, I would really love to do that as well. I just, I just want to write, 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 write. And so I just, you know, really need the time and opportunity to get all of those stories out there. Who are some of the writers who inspire you? Who are some of the writers who not only maybe you are inspired by their work, but you actually just love to read their work? I have to start with Maya Angelou, who um, turned me on to writing when I was young, I mean, to reading when I was young. I wasn't a very fast reader, didn't enjoy it. And, you know, sadly it was because I hadn't been exposed to anything that I loved. What I liked so much about her was just the power that she had to use those words and how she could be so candid and transparent and share the things about her own life that she did. But that just captured me and just drew me into um, reading and, and just the love for reading. And so I loved Walter D. Myers. I loved teaching those books to the youth when I was actually a, a high school teacher. And on the um, Christian fiction side of it, Rashonda Tate Billingsley and Kimberla Lawson Roby, who I, I have often said she actually wrote my out of my biography, 
um, love them, love Vanessa Miller, and also love um, the work of Valerie Coleman, um, Lewis Coleman. She's an ace. She is an ace. Uh, and then I want to also ask you, you know, as we come down to less than five minutes in a day show, we learn so uh-huh. much about ourselves as writers when we're actually creating a story because I think it's impossible for the writer not to, I think it's impossible to fully leave yourself out of the story. You're being worked mm-hmm. on as you're creating, even though you don't realize it. But what did you learn about Sonia after you finished writing your books that you didn't know before you sat down to write them? Well, I would just have to say I've had experiences in life that have taught me how strong I am. So I think that that has been accentuated my faith, um, my trust, and and just um, my learning to lean on the Lord, I think that I have grown closer to God because, you know, it's just funny. Almost every day I just see his hand at work, and I see how his great plan is being orchestrated. And everything happens for a reason, and everything just lines up as it's supposed to be. And I just keep seeing blessings that come when I know that I'm, and that's the way I know that I'm doing what it is that he wants me to do. So I will just keep, you know, being obedient because I know that out of, you know, obedience, that's where where blessings come. Can you tell us where social media sites, what social media sites are you on and where can off-the-shelf listeners, how can they find you? What are some of your social media handles? I am on Facebook. I encourage them to go to BJ's Big Dream. If they'll just put that in, they can follow my children's book. My website is bjsbigdream.com. That's an easy one to remember, much easier to remember than my very long name. And then I'm on Twitter um, as Sonia Leverett, Sonia C. Leverett. I'm also on Snapchat as Sonia C. Leverett. But for most of these, if you just put in Sonia Leverett or Sonia Cunningham Leverett, you will find me. And let's see, I do have a YouTube channel right now. So I think I've named um, the the biggest ones. Oh, okay, okay. And where can our listeners get copies of your books, BJ's Big Big Dream and He Never Slumbers? What is – and we didn't get to what is that stinky, winky, ooey smell, uh, but we're (laughs) running out of time. But where can people get copies Mm -hmm. Of your books, and are they available in only print, or are they also available in ebook format? They are available in print and Kindle on Amazon.com, and I encourage listeners on Wednesday if they will buy a copy of BJ's Big Dream, there will be many prizes and incentives and giveaways. And if they can join me for any of those events, we'll just have lots of fun. But perhaps they will get the book. They'll also get a coloring book. They will get some other readers' um, materials. But that would be a great day to buy the book just because of the bonuses. So they may have enough for their child or grandchild, and then they'll have some to share. And hopefully they will subscribe to my um, list and they'll follow me and just, you know, continue and and watch my authorship grow. And I can't tell you in our last minutes how much I appreciate you. I've done some research, too, and I'm really coming to appreciate what you're doing. And as I can on Saturdays, I will certainly be tuning in to, to find out who you're talking to next. 
Oh, well, thank you, thank you. Now you, you mentioned if you buy a book on Wednesday to participate in the events, does somebody simply have to go to your website? And I want to give out the URL again, Sonia Cunningham Leverett. That's S-O-N-I-A-C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M-L-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-E.com. Do they just go there, buy your book? Is there a certain time they should come on Wednesday to participate in the giveaways and the other events that you're having? If they buy a book anytime that day and then they will send the um, receipt number to the designated email address, it's S-O-N-C-U-N-N-L-E-D at gmail.com, and they can find that on the website. Sonia Cunningham Leverett and BJ's Big Dream actually goes to the same place. And so anytime that day they can buy the book, send in their receipt, and they will receive a copy of all of the bonuses, and they will also be registered to win many other prizes as well. But the events are actually at 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 8 o'clock. We designed it that way so that any working schedule could find somewhere to fit in and they can join us to get, you know, just great information and, like I said, basically just to have fun. And and I would greatly appreciate the support. Well, I'm going to put it on my calendar for 8 o'clock on Wednesday, so after I get home from work. So I want to thank, we want to thank Dr. Sonia Cunningham-Levitt for being here with us and being our special guest on this Saturday's Off the Shelf. And Sonia, she she is a go-getter. Listen to her talk. It's like she actually was bullied and some of the things she went through. So she's a living example when she gets in front of parents and children to show them, you might have started here, but you don't have to stay there. And this is, look at me. She's actually a living example. She's an educator, a wife, a mother, a writer, a consultant, and a public speaker. And she's the author of several books, including BJ's Big Dream, which is coming out this Wednesday, you guys, and she's got special events that you give your receipt, email it in, and every it seems like every two hours or every other hour there will be a special event. So that's, again, BJ's Big Dream, Big Cookout. Kick off this Wednesday, and other books that Sonia's written, He Never Slumbers, and What Is That Stinky Winky Ooey Smell, which we didn't have time to get to today. You can check Sonia Cunningham Levert out online at SoniaCunninghamLevert.com, S-O-N-I-A-C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M-L-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-E. If you miss, if you came in during today's show, midstream or later in the show, no worries. After the show finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it as many times as you like in its entirety, and hopefully you'll hit Sonya up and, and, and get her out there and make her a role runner. She's going from one event to the next, sharing her stories and the message of the, the bullying, whether he never slumbers, going after your dreams, getting through your challenges. These are topics that not only benefit children, but an adult, it might wake something up, even an adult, an adult who's reading the book, to to a to a child. So we again we didn't get to what is that stinky winky ooey smell? I like that title. But you can go to her <laughs> website and learn more about that as well. So we want to thank uh, Dr. Sonia Cunningham Levin for being here with us again on Off the Shelf, and thank each of you, our listeners here at Off the Shelf. Please remember, put on your calendars. Every Saturday, just mark it on your calendar. You can put it in your phone, reminder, write it down on your calendar, circle it. On Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time, you're going to treat yourself 
to an episode of Off the Shelf where you're going to hear a different guest every week share some insights with you. So, again, thank you to Sonya. Thank you to our listeners. And remember, you. you are awesome. You are amazing. You are incredible. And this Wednesday, get over to SonyaCunninghamLeverett.com. I'll see you guys back here next Saturday. Go out and have a fabulous day. Bye for now. Sonya, I'll shoot you an email. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.